0: How should we approach God with our needs and requests? This week on the Bible Study Hour, David brings his urgent petitions and pleadings boldly before God in prayer, giving us a model for how we as Christians, righteous men and women of God, might pray. Sunday at 2 a.m. and 8 a.m. on WAVA.
1: When you
2: and I invited Jesus Christ into our life, God gave us, Jesus gave us a wonderful promise, something that we need to hold on to and be fully aware of. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief, the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy. Then Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus has a more abundant life for you. This more abundant life is a life that not only does he offer to us and promise to us, but it's something that we must learn how to step into, how to actually experience by our cooperation. It doesn't happen automatically. You have to learn how to work with God in his process and follow his ways. There are decisions that you need to make that will put you on the pathway to this more abundant life. The word reset is a word that means simply to set again or to restore. Perhaps you're most familiar with it in the technological area of life. If you own or use a computer or a smartphone or some kind of device such as an iPad or some kind of tablet, there are times when your operating system seems to just simply need a reboot. It needs a restart. It needs a refresh. And so you go through the process of restarting it. And when you do so, there's a freshening that happens to your system. There's something sort of, at least for those of us who are technological novices it seems kind of magical you just restart and everything seems to work the first one is that we need a reset when debilitating mistakes have been made as we go through life we make mistakes some mistakes are minor and some are more major but every mistake at least it has any major consequence to our life really does require us to get back on the right tracks even in the utilization of your technology many of the reasons why your technology is not working is because you've had something called user error. That you've used something, you've done something the wrong way, and it's messed up your system. And so there's a mistake that's been made, and a reset gets you back on track. I want to tell you the story many of you are familiar with in the Bible of a man that needed a reset in his life. It's a story of the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter was quite a bold guy. He was a guy that oftentimes spoke before he thought, and he got himself in trouble a lot of times because of that. And one night, actually the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed, the night before he's going to go to his crucifixion the next day, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. And he looks at Peter and says, Peter, I want to give you a little warning here. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. Peter was adamant in his response. No, Lord, I would never deny you. I will die for you. There's nothing anyone could do that would make me deny you. And Jesus said, no, by, by in the morning, before that rooster crows, you will deny me three times. We know the story We've had Peter followed Jesus at a distance in the courtyard. He was confronted by some ladies there, uh, mentioning that Peter knew who Jesus was in three times. Peter did exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. Peter denied the Lord. Think about that. On the night that Jesus needed him the most, Peter was not there. On the night that Jesus needed friends, Peter failed to be his friend. And three times Peter denied Jesus, one time even cursing when he denied him. Can you imagine that? When Peter denied the Lord, there was that moment that Peter and Jesus caught eyes there in that, set, that moment, and Peter realized what he had done, and the scripture says that he went out of that place weeping bitterly out of guilt and shame over his mistake. He'd made a major mistake. From everything that we can see in Scripture, Peter seems to continue to suffer a bit with his shame and guilt. Even after Jesus' resurrection because he he felt unworthy to be a disciple. I mean, after all, if you failed Jesus in one of the most critical moments in Jesus' life, it makes you feel quite unworthy. How could I ever be his disciple again? How can I be an apostle any longer? I can't fulfill this. I have disqualified myself from this. And so Peter was Addressing, He was feeling this shame and this guilt. And I want to pick up the story now in John chapter 21, beginning at verse number 1. I want you to see how Jesus comes along and presses a reset button for Peter. This happens, again, sometime after Jesus' resurrection. We don't know exactly the day when it happened or how long it had been. But Jesus, the resurrected Christ, shows up in the lives of his disciples, especially Peter's here in this story. Let me read for you. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. Now, that's a very important statement. Because what had Peter been doing before he became a disciple or a follower of Jesus? He had been a fisherman, right? And for those years, those three, three and a half years that Peter had been following Jesus. He had no longer engaged in fishing. He was a fisher of men, as Jesus said. I'll make you a fisher of men. So it's been three, three and a half years. And Peter says, I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm going back to what my life used to be, which represented the fact that he had no hope for his future at that point in time. And they said, the other disciples said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Just as a digression for a moment, it is so wonderful to know that Jesus can take an unproductive life and make it productive. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that was John, said to Peter, It is, it is the Lord. As, si- as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he would taken it off and he jumped into the water. That is, Peter could not get to Jesus fast enough. He said, This boat is far too slow. I'm going to swim my way to shore because I know the one who can reset my life is waiting for me there. And so he jumps into the water and he swims to Jesus. Now Jesus there on the seashore, has breakfast for them, cooks them some fish for breakfast. There's this ongoing conversation or words of interaction that happened here in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, more than these fish? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. How many times did Jesus allow Peter the opportunity to reaffirm his love for him? Three times. What I want you to see is there in that moment, Jesus was pressing the reset button in Simon's life. He was getting him back on track again. So Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. This was Peter's moment of restoration. That morning, Peter experienced a major reset from failure, a major reset from his mistake. And you and I can experience that as well. That's why there are verses in the Bible, like 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness jesus can restore and reset you after the mistakes in your life number two you need to reset when your attitudes and your perspectives have been contaminated the word attitude it's important to understand what it is what is an attitude an attitude starts in your mind an attitude is what you think there's a thought that's planted here that then begins to affect your feelings your emotions And then out of your emotions, it affects the way that you relate, the way that you respond, and the way that you react. That's what happens. So an attitude starts in the mind, affects your emotions, and then affects your behavior. That's the process. It doesn't go the other way around. It's not a behavior first. It's a thought first. And your attitudes, your thinking, your attitudes can be contaminated. Your attitudes can be poisoned by lots of different things in life. Your perspective can be poisoned. Your perspective can be warped. It's the equivalent in the technological world of a virus or malware on your computer. There is a devil who is all around us who is looking for the planting of viruses in your brain, okay? He's doing everything he can to mess around with your thinking with malware, okay? Just get a little malware in in your software, okay, of thinking. Because if he can poison you in your thinking or contaminate your thinking in certain ways, then it will affect your feelings, your all other aspects of your behavior and so attitudes are critical. Now the Bible talks about how the minds of people can be poisoned. Look at Acts chapter 14 verses 1 and 2. This is the first preaching trip that the Apostle Paul made after he is saved. And he's taking with him Barnabas. He goes to a place called Iconium which is uh, actually in modern day Turkey. So at Iconium Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. So Paul would normally when he would go into a new city to preach the gospel. He would go to the synagogue first and start telling about Jesus the Messiah. He did this in this place called Iconium. And so he's sharing the gospel. Some begin to believe. Notice verse 2. But the Jews who refused to believe, notice this, stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their... What was poisoned? their minds, okay? Poison their minds against the brothers. So there was something that was said, something that was done, words that were spoken that planted some poison in the minds of those that impacted them from receiving the truth of God's word. That's why we we're warned about what goes on in our mind because our mind can be poisoned, our attitudes can be contaminated. Paul writes of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wait wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension. A pretension is something that you presume, something you get into your mind that you have now bought into as true that may not necessarily be true. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And notice the tie-in here. We take captive every... Thought to make it obedient to Christ. So your thinking has to be protected because it can be poisoned. An example of poisoned thinking is found in Matthew chapter twenty five and the story of the talents. The Bible talks about a man who gave talents or gifts out to three of his servants. To one man he gave five bags of gold, to one man he gave two bags of gold, to one man he gave one bag of gold. You can read the story in Matthew twenty five. And he goes away, comes back, and he checks up on his return. The man with five bags has five more. And and the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things, make you ruler over many. The man with two has now produced two more. And, of course, he hears the same thing, well done, good and faithful. But the man with one talent, one bag of gold, did nothing with his. The Bible says that he hid his bag in the earth. And the Bible gives us the reason why he hid his bag in the earth. He said to the master, I knew, I thought, it was in my mind that you were a hard man. And because I thought you were a hard man, I didn't want to risk losing anything, so I hit it. Now, in reality, the master was not a hard man at all. He was a man who rewarded faithfulness because we see him rewarding faithfulness in the story of the first two, right? Did he reward faithfulness? Absolutely. So this man had a warped perspective of his master that drove his behavior. See, warped perspectives will drive behavior. Good perspectives will drive good behavior. Warped perspectives will lead you to bad behavior in your life. And so we need a reset button when our attitudes or our thoughts have been contaminated. How does this happen? The psalmist speaks of this in Psalm 51, verse number 10. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He's not just praying for a clean heart. He's also praying for a right spirit and a right spirit is a right set of attitudes number three we need a reset when hurts have happened in life sometimes we're hurt because of people sometimes we're hurt because of misunderstandings or misperceptions that happen we're hurt by disappointments that that come our way losses that happen things we hoped would transpire but didn't transpire life just hurts at times and when you are hurt listen closely when you're hurt you're highly vulnerable the devil loves to play on hurts He loves to exaggerate them. He loves to feed them. He loves to nurture hurts. He loves to make you uh, feel sorry for yourself and enter into the pity parties of life. And so anytime there's hurt, there's like a gravitational pull of darkness in your direction. Okay. Because if you don't deal with hurt, it can lead to some very dark places in life. And if you handle hurts the right way, they can help you. They can propel your growth. If you don't, they can be very troublesome to you. And that's why the writer of Hebrews warns us about this. In Hebrews 12, verse 15, he says, See to it that no one, nobody, falls short of the grace of God. Nobody falls short of the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So when you're hurt in life, you need to know that's a moment. You better hit a reset button. Number 4. You and I need a reset when good habits have been neglected. The apostle Paul talked about how important good habits were to him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul says, I pay close attention. I have to work consistently on my habits because my habits are my destiny. My habits will create my character, and the character will determine my destiny. And so your habits are important. And so keeping these good, strong, spiritual, mental, emotional work Physical habits are critical to your life journey. And so when you investigate your life, ask yourself the question, how am I doing with good habits? Do I need to hit the reset button on the habits of my life? What am I doing habitually that is helping me or what am I doing habitually that may be hurting me? Number five, you need a reset when wise instructions have been ignored. Listen to what the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter eight. I'll begin now in verse thirty two. Now then, my children, that's you and me, the children of God, listen to me, God says. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me, find life and receive favor from the Lord. When you realize that you've ignored some good instructions, get back, reset by going back to the instruction manual. Number six, you need a reset when you have become complacent and you have become stagnant. I'm going to highlight, talk about for a couple of moments these two words, complacency and stagnation. Complacency really is when you've just gotten satisfied and comfortable and you're drifting without even realizing it. And that's where a lot of people live. They're just complacent. There's no more growth in their life. They're not prompted or motivated in life any longer and complacency leads to stagnation it's not the other way around complacency is what produces stagnation stagnation as a result or a byproduct of complacency and a stagnant person is just stuck they're not changing in any way in life in a good or positive way God is very big on stirring you up and stirring you out of your complacency because complacency is dangerous Complacency will destroy you. You get complacent. You can get into a lot of trouble just by being complacent. And so you will see all through the Bible, God stirring up people out of their complacency. God shaking people, waking people up, saying, "Wake up! Come on! Get with it! Pay attention! This is urgent! This is vital! This is important!" You see these kind of words over and over in Scripture. The prophets would often say, "Hear the word of the Lord!" And hearing the word of the Lord was, "Here, right now, what God's trying to say." And so God is always in the process of stirring us out of our complacency because complacency leads to stagnation, and stagnation is always resulting in death and so notice one passage where God stirs us up in Romans chapter 13 verses 11 and 12 note the the urgency the importance the stirring out of complacency that God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit Paul writes and says this is all the more urgent Feel the urgency there for you know how late it is time is running out so Paul writes and says this is all the more urgent for you know how late it is time is running out wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed the night is almost gone the day of salvation will soon be here so remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living paul says wake up shake up get up get moving be aware be alert it's urgent time is running out and I would say to you and me today that we need to feel that same kind of urgency and being called out of complacency because complacency leads to stagnation. You need to reset when your old ways no longer work. Jesus gave us a clear picture of how our, that we have a tendency, all of us do, to hold on to old ways that don't work. Listen to Luke chapter 5, 36 through 39. Jesus told them a parable. He told them a parable No one tears a piece of, out of a new garment to patch on an old one, otherwise, they will have torn the new garment. And the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out. And the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new. For they say, read the last phrase with me, the old is better. Let me tell you, the tendency in your life will always be to say, the old is better. Because all of us have a resistance to change. Most people don't want to change. And by the way, change for change's sake is not valuable. Okay? Some things don't need to change. Amen? There's certain things that you just don't change. You don't mess with them because they're set and they're solid. But there's certain habits and patterns in your life that need to change along the way. Why? Because life is dynamic. Life is not static. If you get stuck in one place, you're going to be in trouble. Last point, eight things You need a reset when your life becomes overly complicated. Complicated is just tangled, complex, convoluted. And usually your life becomes complicated because you sort of lose direction. And so all you got so much stuff coming your way. And how do I handle this? How do I handle that? And before long, your life just feels like this this massive tangled web of stuff. And you can't figure anything out. And it seems like, where is my life? And what is my life right now? And one of the things that I'm continuing to learn as well about my relationship with God, and I'm saying I'm continuing to learn this because, again, I'm in process. I'm learning, okay, is that we as human beings complicate things. God simplifies things. That's what we did. We're just oriented by our nature to make things complex, okay? And somehow we think that complexity is superior. But actually, complexity is not superior. Simplicity is superior. When your life gets overly complicated, there are three things you need to look at. You look at your purpose, you look at your priorities, you look at your values. That's all you have to do. That'll always get you back on track. Purpose, why am I here? Okay. What am I here for? Let's just cut through all this stuff that's going on in my life. What's my real purpose? Okay. What has God put me into right now? I don't have to worry about what's happening tomorrow, or five years from now, or ten years from now. I'm going to look right now, what is my purpose right here in this moment? Because really, in reality, it's only the now that matters anyway. Because it's your now, what you do with your now, that leads you to your tomorrow. And so the devil always likes to complicate your life with worries about the future, and worries about that, all these kind of things. So what's my right now what are my priorities right now what are most important to me and your priorities can, can stay consistent throughout your life your priorities my priorities are number one my relationship with God number two my relationship with my wife and with my family number three my relationship with my work and my responsibility to you as a church and so you don't have to have 50,000 priorities you need some basic priorities in your life because if everything is important nothing is important Jesus made it very clear in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. Everybody say simple. Would you agree that's pretty simple? Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and everything else will be added, right? That's very simple. In Mark chapter 12, a man came to Jesus one day and said, Hey, Jesus, of all these laws which are the most important... got like over these 600 laws. Which one am I supposed to be focusing on? It just seems so complicated. Jesus said, hey, chill. He said, one thing's important. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody say simple, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Everything else will be added to you. I'll give you one more in the Old Testament. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Everybody say simple. It's all simple, right? And so when you find that your life is overly complicated, it's one of those moments that you need to hit the reset button and say, what is my purpose, what are my priorities, and what are my values, and God has laid them out for me very simply, and it brings life back into focus.
1: Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church.